Everybody knows that the problem with playables is that they're really bloody hard to make, right? Well, maybe not. In this Growth Masterminds, we're actually going to chat with somebody who says they're actually really easy if you know the right way. So today I did a LinkedIn Live with Craftsman Plus CEO and founder Alex Marutka. And we chatted about playables, where they work, where they don't work, how they can be created very, very quickly and easily. Five minutes, 10 minutes, he said. And kind of the benefits and many of the benefits that you get from using them. Enjoy. Hello, everybody. We are here. We are live. We are looking forward to having a great chat. This is Creatives for the Win, the evolution of playables. And you know what? Let's start here. Somewhere around 2016, the, the dim mists of digital time way back when, seven years ago, six years ago, somebody created the first playable ad. It was a mini game that you could enjoy. You could have some fun with. It's also an ad that didn't suck. Last year, fast forward to 2021, according to a liftoff report, playable ads were the most effective ad format in every month other than September when they tied with another format. I mean, it makes a lot of sense, right? It's There's engagement. People do something. They're looking at it. It's fun. Who doesn't like fun? Most people like fun. Sometimes it's tied to a reward because it might be a rewarded ad. You get something in a game or an app that you're actually using or playing. And it often shows something of what the advertised app or customer experience is all about. So that's all kind of perfect. It's all kind of good. Why aren't more people using playables? Why aren't all ads playable? Well, of course, they don't work in all scenarios. But the bigger issue is it's kind of challenging. It's kind of hard. And at least one way, playables have kind of sucked, right? They're hard to create. It's slow to make them. It's expensive to make them. They're inflexible. You change some brand, you change some things. It's hard to fix that, to update that. It's also been hard to incorporate user-generated content. So is there a solution for that? Could there be something that you can do that makes it easier, quicker, faster, cheaper? Should you be looking harder at playables? And can they even solve some of the issues that we have right now with targeting, with Apple's ATT and privacy issues and other stuff? Just maybe. In this LinkedIn Live, we're chatting with the person you see on the screen right there. It's Craftsman Plus CEO, Alex Maruka. Welcome, Alex. Thanks for having me, John. It is a super privilege to have you. We had you on a recent webinar about creatives. You had amazing things to say. We said, hey, we got to talk more to that guy. We got to talk more in depth. Happy to have you. Okay, one thing I'll say before we start talking and before Alex starts sharing, we're going to take questions. We're going to take comments. Love to hear them. Love to, to put them on the screen if we have a chance. Uh, don't hesitate to add comments. We'll see them. And if you have a question for Alex, hey, you know what? He'd love to answer it. Okay. Uh, let's start here. I set off the top that, hey, you know what? We're going to talk about a lot of things about playables. Let's start with the Coles notes. Where did they come from? Talk about the evolution of playables a little bit, Alex. Uh, yes. Yeah, so actually, I think the first ever playables were probably from um, Nectar, uh, which actually I got my start in mobile at a company called Graystripe, got bought by ValueClick. Um, and so a couple of guys left the company to go build a, a, a playable platform way ahead of their, their time, I'd say. But the issue was uh, the internet speed and devices that we were on 
weren't able to, uh, they weren't able to execute their vision the way they had hoped. So they were thinking of like, how do we take games, stream them into units and just the latency and load time lag ended up kind of being the, like one of the main demises to the business. Um, fast forward a few years, I think that was probably 2012, 2013. We started getting into more more mainstream playables. Uh, again, the issue with that was the playables kind of looked a little blurry. So you'd see like you know ads in mobile came from static banner ads to uh, full screen interstitial, which was a big step for the space. Moving it to video, um, which is when I joined App Eleven, was probably like the video heyday with Vungo and Ad Colony. And so you get from video to the next evolution of, of playable. But back then. You know, we were still on, you know, who knows, iPhone three or four, and there was, you know, 3G came out and there was no LTE, there was no 5G, 4G, any of those sort of um, advances in technology. So playables in concept were a great, a great idea. Um, they still worked. Um, they just didn't work as effectively as they do now. And certain brands could never use them because of um, the fidelity question. Like, hey, how do we build it? We want to do playables, but the we want to keep the fidelity of the game accurate. How do we do that um, in this environment? And so, you know, one of the things people need to be mindful of is that, you know, that, that um, the size of playables that you're actually able to build. And back in the day, Google, Facebook kind of capped that size at one to two megabytes. So you weren't really working with much. And there were some game engines out there, like, uh, uh, like a, a few different softwares that would, uh, allow you to build these type of like mini games, but they were built more for web and like web games, not really mobile games. And so that's where we saw there's this big opportunity of, hey, how do we build you know a game engine in the space that combats for mobile, a smaller engine that doesn't have the latency issues and solves that you know fidelity issue, which uh, a lot of the larger gaming companies or non-gaming brands really care about. Yeah, cool. Let's talk about targeting. Uh, we know targeting has been a signif significant issue. Obviously, it's always been a core issue of advertising. Who do you get the, how do you get the right ad to the right person? It's become much more challenging in the last two years on iOS with ATT. You can't do lookalikes. You can't do audiences as well as you used to be able to do. You've said that playables can solve for some of that targeting capability. Talk to us about what you mean by that. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a good example with Condé Nast and Bon Appetit. You know, you, you can assume you know what a user likes to eat, what they're interested in, you know, if they're interested in, you know, what type of sports, what type of products they want. And that's kind of the way advertising was done before with all this like intent behavioral data on like what users are going to do and what they will buy. Apple kind of threw a wrench in that. And so it's become a lot harder for those folks to effectively target um, the right audiences. So what playable ads allow you to do is, is kind of almost like host a mini website as a, as an interactive ad and let people pick and choose and engage with the content they want. So they can go through, you know, this Bon Appetit cookie quiz um, and figure out what is their, you know, what is their style of cookie and get a different, you know, product and experience based on the choices they make, what their actual interests are. So now you no longer have to target someone so specifically on, we know this person likes black shoes with like white backs and running shoes, this size, like this perfect thing. You can just say, Hey, are you into running shoes right now? Or maybe basketball season's coming back up or there's, you know, you're looking for soccer, like whatever it is, just giving people the option. And I think 
the, the, the new generations with uh, Gen Z and millennials, they like optionality. They want, you know, they're a lot different than um, previous generations and they want that choice and they appreciate when brands give them that choice. That's huge, right? I mean, let's say you're a sports app and you want to target people who like sports. Well, people don't like sports in general. Most people, they're into hockey or they're into baseball, they're into NFL or whatever the case might be, right? So you can offer that that option there. You know, which sport do you want to play today or something like that? And boom, you've got a targeted and then you can give them a targeted experience with a custom product page or you can give them a targeted experience with something later on in the playable that then delivers what they want, right? Yeah, 100%. Like, who's your team? You know, pick like, even if you like football, like, what football team do you like? And and why do you like them? And let you to pick. And and maybe you just switched and you just recently started liking hockey because your girlfriend, you know, her and her dad used to go to every hockey game. Now, all of a sudden, you're a Rangers fan. Yeah. It, 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 Never a Rangers fan. Often. Never. <laughs> Not allowed. <laughs> like, everyone knows that personalized ads perform better. Now with Apple kind of deprecating IDFA, it's hard to create personalization. So let the users personalize their own experience and results will go up. Awesome. Cool. We're starting to get some comments and questions in. Andre, I see yours as well. We'll get to that just in a few moments. One of the other challenges has been user-generated content, which of course is massive in today's ad world, which hasn't really worked well in playables. Influencer marketing has also been challenging. You've talked about some solutions there. Yep. So basically we're seeing this uh, this massive trend for user-generated content. I mean, it's what's driving engagement, the rise of TikTok, um, you know, Instagram reels, all these different platforms now that focus on user-generated content. You're actually seeing this shift come to the ad networks too. So you're seeing it more on, you know, the the DSPs and the ad networks put, producing more user-generated content. And the cool thing about interactive and playable ads is you get a actually, especially for gaming, you could play the actual game and the experience. So if you do click through and download, you've already kind of gone through the player experience. And the idea is lifetime value goes up because you've already experienced the game and you still chose to download it. The problem is uh, so many, the market's been flooded with so many gameplay video clips and uh, in this new trend of UDC, we're, what we've done, especially in this example, is like mass the two and combine them for get the trust from people with user-generated content with actual live people and then make it sort of interactive, make it into a fun game. I mean, this example is like a, a dress-up. You know, you see every time on TikTok, they're jumping into a new, you know, shirt and there's like a new kind of character dress-up theme. And it's like, hey, pick and choose your own character, customize your character. Dressing up avatars is just a very strong uh, driver for folks to want to engage in a in any brand. Like customizing your character is great. So it's what's bringing you to see what's bringing that trend. Let's also link it into gameplay as well in this example. So it's kind of the best of all the worlds. I love this particular example. I've seen it. I have to say I've seen it like 20, 30 times now as we've been prepping for this and getting examples and everything like that. I mean, the personality here that shows through the, the you know, it, it's in somebody's bedroom or somebody's house, some basement or something like that. It's not high production values or anything like that, but the personality that the, the influencer shows, that the user shows. And what she does in the interactivity. I mean, I would probably go through all three characters there. Uh, absolutely huge. Yeah, that that key point, John, what you said about personalities, it's like their energy, enthusiasm through it. It's not trying to be the perfect, you know, actor or this polished video. It's more of just like a genuine, like, hey, I'm really interested in this. And this is like a funny comedy. Look at like the Bond character of her like pouting and 
and being upset. I mean, it's um, uh, you find creators like that um, and you just let them be their, their true selves. And then it's just more genuine. It's more fun experience. Everyone connects to it more. Yep. I want to get to the core challenge of playables, which has been making them and getting them and not spending months making them and tens of thousands of dollars and then being stuck with them when your game changes or something like that. We'll get to that in just a moment, but I think now's a good time to actually turn to some of the comments that we're getting here and just uh, hit them and chat about them a little bit. So I think we have one from, uh, let's bring it up here, Andre Rogowski. What do you think about playable ads in TikTok? talk in meta alex comment on that yeah so meta's pushed uh playable ads in the past and then tried to get them to work the hard part with meta is when you're running through like a, a feed on on facebook and you see an ad for a playable you actually have to click into it and then the experience comes up so typically anytime you're expanding the funnel um, in marketing and adding more steps it takes away from performance it's still great drivers for some you know brand initiatives and depending on what your goals are, it could still be a driver. But for most of our folks and clients we work with, we recommend them, you know, focus on Facebook audience network, which tends to work the most. So, you know, the best placements we're seeing are rewarded video placements. And it's in those, um, you know, SDK networks, video networks that are driving the highest performance. So Meta, um, you know, we'll see if they change their product on playables and, and add more to it and, and see how they kind of combat it. TikTok's more interesting to me right now because it is the new platform. It's highly engaging. Um, user behavior is just different on TikTok than on Facebook, scrolling through and different on than on Instagram. So I think they have like a real shot to make it work. Um, they're very open to feedback. And since their product's so new, so they kind of get to take all these best practices and learning um, from all the other platforms. So we'll see how they adapt their products. But again, anytime you have that break of adding another step, performance typically lags. Um, but we're, we're, you know, it's really exciting time for us in the playable space and for everyone out there doing playables because TikTok just got into playables. Um, Twitter is getting into playables. Um, we'll see what Snapchat does with it. But these social platforms are realizing that there's something here and we need to crack the code for it. I look forward to seeing playables in TikTok and seeing how they work because on the one hand, there's that kind of behavior uh, of the thumb scroll, you <laughs> up, 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 and you kind of get in that uh, zombie mode. There we go, up, up, up. And a playable demands some attention, demands some engagement, doesn't demand, but invites, let's put it that way. And will people do that? Will people go for that? I think it'd be super interesting to try playables on TikTok with influencers that are already big on TikTok. That would be incredible because they have huge followings. People are super invested in them. And if they do something along the lines of that Rovio ad, that could be really interesting. Well, the interesting part too right now is like, uh, even with, you know, over COVID, all those ready to drink canned cocktails that came out, they're all attached with like a celebrity. There's always some, you know, celebrity backing some alcohol brand. I think the same thing will happen for gaming. So you create all these micro game experiences, like you mentioned about the influencers attaching to an actual um, like a, a game mechanic. And you can have this platform for all these influencers to come in and say, hey, I want to build my own match three game. I want to build my own endless runner version. And I want to skin it with my assets, with me producing it and having like all these like micro experiences. I think that's kind of like the next evolution of where influencers go attaching their audiences, their name, their personality to a product. And instead of alcohol, it's going to be gaming. 
Wow, uh, that is potentially huge. Uh, Mr. Beast, I mean, he's got a hamburger chain now, right? He's doing all kinds of yeah. cool things there. What hamburger do you want? You can see something like that. You could see some of the TikTok influencers doing those games that you mentioned. And actually, you've talked about playables as an opportunity to test a game. Like, you know, would this be an interesting concept rather than spending $5 million in six months <laughs> and $30,000 in one week and test a game concept if it works? Yeah. So the issue with gaming and everyone's going to see this in the stock market is it's, it's a very hit driven economy. So you, you build a game, you get the team together, you have a concept, you build a game, you, you know, you have a, you have like, let's say one to $3 million budget to build the game and you soft launch it. Soft launch numbers look good, you hard launch. And then like, hopefully it goes well from there and you keep building the game. Uh, the issue is really costly. So, you know, as an investor in the game companies, you never know if the company is going to hit or not hit. And it's, it's, a, it's a pretty big gamble. It's like, hey, give me 3 million bucks and then let's see if users download this um, and, and if they engage and if they can monetize. So instead, we kind of flipped the script with um, like what playable ads can allow you to do is you can build these mini micro experiences and kind of get into like some core game mechanics. Because right now the gaming space is a lot of, hey, let's take this like, you know, this type of like Fishton type game and let's combine it with a match three game. And it's all these kind of combos of like core game mechanics that other games have like drawn and built lines into user behavior of, okay, users now have an RPG match three. And that's, that's one of the verticals that people want to go or a builder match three or whatever it is. So there's all these combinations and there's all this different art that you can test. So you need to test art, you need to test game mechanic. And the easy way to do that is with playable ads. You can, you can build these micro experiences, launch a playable, actually market it as if it's a real game and go out and test some, you know, instead of spending 3 million on the game, spend a couple thousand bucks on the playable, spend, you know, 30, $50,000 in marketing, depending on how aggressive how many users you want to go look. And then you have a test for 50K if the, the game's going to work or not. You micro test that across like 20 games, you find your three winners, and then you go back those. Instead of building 20 games, you build three that have the best shot because of, you know, the data you're seeing on the playables, the engagement, the click three, the like, Hey, I want you to download this. And then you can just load it all to pre-register campaigns and almost have it like, you know, this like Kickstarter page of like, yeah, this is the game. Okay, great. And then you take that to investors and you're like, look, I have, you know, a uh, half a million pre-registers on this a playable ad unit. It's not even a game and people are signing up to get this game. And so then you can like, you can focus your dev teams on you know certain games that are going to I, that have the best chance of success. You can keep hitting those winners. It becomes less of a guessing game and more of factually like, hey, this is what people are actually playing right now. Excellent, excellent. Here's a question that is valuable, and you see this quite frequently. Okay, so playables work for a game, right? Obviously, okay, it's a game. You, it's it's about a game. Great, excellent, wonderful. What about verticals outside? There's actually huge opportunities for playables outside of gaming, correct? Yeah, so we've seen a trend kind of move. Um, and, you know, some verticals have been more challenging than others, but there's been this shift into, you know, entertainment verticals performing really well. Uh, I'm sure you've seen all the news on like sports betting and micro betting and, and then this whole like adrenaline kind of driven um, user behavior of folks just wanting to, you know, see what they can interact with and bet on anything at any time. And you're seeing those companies kind of making a big push right now. Um, same with fintech. I'd say like fintech, entertainment and sports betting have been like three major verticals that are um, driving a lot of interest from consumers right now. And those tend to work really well for interactive ads, playable ads. I mean, 
we can pull up on, if we want to pull up like a, a DraftKings example, um, you know, happy to, happy to jump in there. So, I mean, you know, we're going back to choice too, like, you know, pick your sports team, pick your, uh, pick, pick your sport, pick your team, pick, you know, these different characters, like, um, players, whatever you want to do. But, you know, when, when we think of these companies, this customization and this simplicity, I mean, this is, there's a couple of different types of playables you can build. Uh, for this example, DraftKings, it's just, hey, let's front load the project experience on the ad itself. So, you know, people that are not used to sports betting that are, you know, I'd say most users in the world are not used to sports betting. Like worldwide, like people have not yes. made bets on their phone for sports. And like maybe like some of us, like the San Francisco sports folks, New York, whatever, they maybe have had more experiences there. But most, most of the time, people have not made this this uh, transition yet to placing bets on their phone. And so this idea here was, let's just show how simple it is to actually place a bet on your phone with DraftKings UI and just make the UI come to life. So that example is like one version of what you can do. You see a lot of non-gaming companies build like um, kind of like uh, you can go the mini gamer route where you actually say, hey, we're, you know, we're Nike and we want to be where the audiences and eyeballs are. So we're going to build a, a uh, at like a store in the metaverse in Roblox. And we're going to have like a Nike storefront. Like they're already pushing into that uh, realm mm-hmm. and, and other brands are following to just try to be where the eyeballs are and where the gamers are. So you could say, hey, you know, similar to that influence idea of let's like reskin game mechanics, but with Nike assets. And literally an endless runner is like a perfect example. Like a Nike running through as an endless runner, um, you know, like, like that sort of thing. Like, and that is just, yeah, and that's just, you know, branded content. Again, that's not as performance driven. That is just, hey, we want to drive user engagement. We want to show our our audiences. And when we're trying to capture, you know, the like high school, college kid to brand them Nike versus Adidas, we want them being like, oh, Nike's pretty cool. They built that like really fun endless runner game that I like played on my phone before. I, I, I like that company. You kind of get some street cred being a big brand like that. But, you know, you can even kind of do a mix of both of those where, you know, if we want to pull up the Truebill example, I mentioned, you know, fintech. Um, so uh, when, when we think of like, um, yeah, if we can, if we can jump over to, to Truebill, uh, let's see. Yeah, perfect. So, um, you know, this is like a, like how many subscriptions are you paying for? Like what, what amount of money could you save? And actually having that slider, even that small interaction drives a ton of performance and value add. So you can see it's a, it's such a clear indicator of what's this product really going to do for me? And, and what, what do I get if I download this thing? And it's like, all right, you can, this is, it's as easy as like, this is how many subscriptions you could potentially cancel and how much, you know, annual savings you have, you know, to go download Truebell. And it makes it fun, makes it, it makes it super simple to understand. So I like playables because one, when you're, you're typically, if you're like playing something and you're interacting, it's just, it's easier to understand your attention's fully on the screen while you're engaging in it. So when you do click through, those users are just so much more valuable to brands. That makes a ton of sense. Absolutely. Can totally see that. I, I, I flashed this up earlier as well. Somebody has been, Alexander has been providing promo code for discount on, you know, which product are you interested in or something like that, or for films, quizzes with questions, super interesting. Like who's this star or something like that, right? Just a way to generate that interactivity that you're talking about. Okay. There's a ton more comments and questions. I'm going to get to those as well, but I think we have to talk about the core challenge. Core challenges. Everybody likes playables. They're fun. They're cool. They're animated. They're dynamic. They make good presentations, all this stuff. 
but the core challenge has been making them right. And initially people will like make a piece of their game or something like that, and maybe make it in JavaScript or whatever they'd be making it in. That's challenging. It's difficulty. You've got a solution for that. What is a solution? Yeah. So yeah, historically it's been, let's hire a bunch of devs and go build out playables. And so when we're thinking about the company and, and, you know, when I left at Lovin, it was how do we make this process easier and how do we build some technology that allows a non-developer to actually build this? Because everyone knows that dev, dev resources are impossible to come by. At AppLovin, trying to integrate people's SDK, our SDK and apps and getting the dev resources to go do that was very challenging. So it's like, we can't go dev route. Dev's going to be uh, too expensive, too hard to get resources and not quick enough. So how do we build something in a, a software that allows non non-developers, designers, marketers even, to build their own playable assets. So, well, the first thing we thought is, well, we have to build a really small game engine. So we need to rebuild like um, a Unity type engine, but very, very small and just for advertising purposes to, you know, be able to serve on those five megabyte placements. And then it was, you know, how do we, how do we actually get, uh, like what, what do brands, what do game companies brands have today they have a ton of video and like video has been primarily like the top performing ad unit in the last decade. And so you have a lot of video assets. Let's start there and let's and take those videos and transform those videos into interactive ads. And so the way we think about it is our engine is basically a, a ton of different game mechanics that have drag and drop features. Like, oh, you want to add like a spin the wheel mechanic onto a, a video ad and you want to take your video and have you know a different gesture library of what you can do on a certain video that triggers different scenes and events and other videos so you can feel like you're walking through and playing a game or interacting with um with a with a brand or with a, a product uh so you get that you, you get that playable interactive feeling why you do the, the, I totally should have we totally should have added a, a slide about that because it, i'll just tell people it's not as good as showing but you did one for fifa right and it's a, it's a soccer game obviously football for uh, listeners in europe and and you know you're you're showing a guy who's like dribbling and then you know you off you say where should he shoot or something like that and somebody can just you know basically um shoot their finger across the screen and boom takes a shot and scores a goal right so i mean there's 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 interactivity there's there's engagement but it's not hard to do did i get it right yeah 100 percent. yeah and that ad would take someone 10 minutes to build on on our platform you have the video assets you do the swipe gesture you link it to another scene it triggers and so before you know playables had been this like, kind of four-week turnaround time that you would go take a developer build and once you build one for facebook or you know for tiktok you'd have to rebuild it for google for app love and unity right <laughs> <laughs> all the different channels have different API calls and what you need to plug into them. So it's not just here's an MP4 or JPEG or PNG, you know, this is not the standard unit. They all have different aspects and it requires a lot of customization. So you'd get a developer to build it. It'd take four weeks. It'd cost you 5K in the US to go build this ad unit. And then you'd have to QA it across all these different channels, customize it for all the channels. And by the time it's like two months in, you've spent 7,500 bucks on a playable ad. And then guess what? Like 90% of ads just don't work. So then yeah. you, know, you go, that one doesn't work. And then you, you turn off playables. So our idea was how do we just create a volume of assets to give people and make playables super accessible so that you can jump into a software, build a ton of different concepts. You could build 10 concepts in a day, 
go run them. And then you might find, yeah, one of 10 actually work. And that's pretty standard with everyone running media knows that not every ad is a winner ad. Um, and then you go find that winner with just sheer volume of concepts and a, you know, a affordable price efficient platform that makes ads more effective. Cool. So I want to talk about metrics, impact, and what makes playables powerful, but I want to get to some of the comments first as well. So we have this question here from Javier, any opinion on fake playable ads? I'm guessing what that means is like a video that sort of looks playable, but isn't. Am I right on that, Alex? Uh, it could mean a, a couple of things. Yeah, it could mean like, you know, an HTML5 playable built in like total game mechanics with like maybe a computer player playing against you, like a tower defense type, like real live game versus like, you know, video based playables. Um, or it could mean, you know, the options of, you know, kind of faking, like leading someone into a fake playable and right. that just triggers downloading the app. Um, you know, people do in like a lot of different types of practices to drive performance. Um, so it's, uh, I see. Yeah, it's yeah, like, I think that works for some yeah. people. Yeah, so I mean, you know, it depends on your your branded company. Like, if it's working in your game company, you're hitting numbers, you know, and those users retain. Like, great, you got a user end. You know, do do what whatever you think is best for your business and and how to drive value there. Some folks, you know, they just have a company policy that they won't do that. They won't do like the slightly misleading ad of like, hey, play here, and it just links and drives you into. You know, it looks like a, like that, that's kind of happening now a lot where it looks like you're be able, because playables are trending so much that consumers almost expect a playable now. So they see this look playable like um, game or they played like, you know, the first part of the playable and then the second part's like play round two and it actually links you just to, you know, the, the end card. I'm going to so, get my um, perspective on that. And my perspective on that as a player is I don't like it. I don't like it at all. First of all, I don't like the video that sort of shows the gameplay and kind of pretends like I can do something, but I can't really do something. And secondly, I don't like like play it and boom, I'm into, you know, a little app store listing page that pops up. It feels a little deceptive. It's interesting. Ellis has a comment here. They can either highly improve user experiences or do the contrary. How do you make sure that playables are indeed attractive to prospects and not annoy them away? Your thoughts, Alex? Yeah, I think, I mean, if you build a playable that is similar to that user experience, like DraftKings, you have that exact example of this is the UI and this is your experience. Same with gaming. If you could play a little version of a match three game in the playable ad and understand, okay, this is the experience I'm getting. I think the issue is when you see these, you know, big trends, like pull the pin and save the princess before the lava, you know, burns everyone. Like everyone's seen that playable ad. Um, you know, there, there are these trends and everyone just reskins that trend and use yeah. their own. And then you, 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 you know, you think you're going to get that game and there's, they've even gone over the top now where there's ads that say, this is actually the game. <laughs> like, this is like, we are not misleading you. This is actually what you will get if you download this game, uh, yeah. which I think is just hilarious. So that's where we've gotten to that, like that playable was so trendy and performed so well that companies actually just said, should we just build this game? It basically goes back to the point I was mentioning where like you should use playables as a way to test game mechanics. That yep. accidentally happened. And then someone else went and built that game. And, uh, <laughs> and, and copy, they, there's like a ton of those like pull the pen, save the princess games now that was born out of these playable ads. 
Wow. Uh, amazing, amazing, amazing. Uh, very cool. I, I just love this dude's uh, profile pic, by the way. That is like the in Giacomo, you have the best profile pic ever. Uh, way to go. Uh, you win You win the internet for today. Excellent. We'll go to some more questions in a bit. If we have some more, I want to turn to metrics and impact. Um, and I'll, I'll bring up a slide in a moment. Like, we can feel emotionally, we can sense, and we can kind of predict, hey, a playable that engages somebody is going to be better. Um, can you quantify for us what that is? What's the impact? How do playables, um, how do playables perform compared to other ad units? Yeah, so I'd say one of the, one of the key things that we're, we're kind of learning is users tend, they, they, they have their certain, um, they have their certain, uh, like interests and in, in what they want to, you know, engage with. And so I've seen campaigns and, and like Facebook, Google, and all these platforms are always encouraging, like, Hey, make sure you have all the types of ad types in the, in the campaign. So you can get more ad placements because some ad types are only static, some are video, some are playable. Um, totally agree with that. It makes a lot of sense. But I also think just some users only click on certain things. The way I've been looking at is, is some users will they, they don't want to click into video. They just don't like video or they only click video and they don't click static and some only click static and never video. And I've seen these trends before and the same things are playable where, um, you know, folks are saying, Hey, we, we haven't tried playables. And I'm like, there might actually be a whole new audience you're getting, not just ad placement, but actual audience that you're going to be able to reach because certain audiences just never click on ads. But when they see a playable, they're like, is this really matter? Is this a mini game? And, and, and entices them to click into it. So I think you have like that additional reach that you get from it. Um, there are trending, like I mentioned, like you're seeing them more and more. Consumers are almost expecting uh, a mini gamified experience and something more like consumers are demanding more from brands. And that's why you're seeing like metaverse type things. You're seeing uh, more brands get into gamification. And I think uh, that's like the way to people's hearts is you know, through games. Um, and the difference between playables and video um, and one of the biggest differences that, you know, you, you could have a 30 second video, you could watch the whole thing and you click on the ad and you're like, yeah, I like that. But, but what, what about the video did you like? We don't actually know. We just know that this video is what drove the click, but was it because the video started with, you're going to be able to save money with this app or is it, you know, make your life easier or was it about, um, your friends are doing it? Like what was actually the thing that drove you to click that video? We have no idea. There's no like eye recognition technology that like saw like, okay, like that's where his eye focus was the most and that's where he collected. And then there's nothing like that out there. It's just, hey, video A performed better than video B. That's kind of what we know. Mm -hmm. um, and with playables, you get so much more data than that. You can get, okay, they actually clicked on the, I'm, I'm here to save money. Like this is what I want. And then as a brand, you can take that and go, okay, these, this user clicked on this and this is what they, this is their key component, like what they're most interested in. And I, you know, uh, when, when thinking of like app stores, there's a lot of technology being adapted on like the app store and Google play store. And, you know, eventually what you'll be able to do is tie this back to an actual landing page for the app store. So when you click on the save money for playable portion pass that data back to Apple. When you click on the actual download, it's all saving money screenshots about how do you, how do you save money here? What are the actual details about saving money for the app? So you make sure that user actually converts and still downloads, downloads the app. So they don't click on the landing page and it's all about, Hey, your friends are doing this. You know, you want that fluid conversation from whatever was interesting to landing page, app store page to download. 
I'm I'm fascinated by this. Um, I I this is amazing. It's incredible because we've had analytics on ads for forever, and people have done AB AB tests on ads, multivariate tests on ads, as well as landing pages and everything like that. But typically, you don't know why. You know, you you had the 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 banner with the, the you had the ad with the orange banner, you had the ad with the the green banner, or something like that. One performed better, or something like that. But why? What was the reason? Now, if you've got multiple points within an actual ad, I can see people doing a playable that doesn't present as a playable, but it is a playable just so you can capture the data on what somebody clicked on, what somebody was most interested in, what they were looking at. That is fascinating. Yeah, I mean, it's basically, you know, the way we have all this data on websites of like where people click, their path, their flow, how long they're spending, like you can do all that on playable ads. So it's basically like hosting a mini website as an ad unit and being able to track that user and go through that conversion funnel before actually clicking out to the download. Excellent. And just clarification in terms of track, you're, you're seeing, you're, you see where they're clicking. You don't know anything about that person individually because of ATT and all that stuff, but you see where they click, what they're interested in. Excellent. We do have another question here. And if you have some questions, now's a good time to put them in as well. We're coming near the end, but we still have a bit of time. This one is from Alexander. In your opinion, where is this border between playables with eight to nine clicks where you can lose players' attention and just one uh, one click playable where you can just move a player to the store. Uh, thoughts on that? Yeah, it's kind of similar to what we talked about of like the, the kind of like fake playable that leads into the store really quick with like those quick couple like one yes. clicks. Yes. Um, so he got it. Got it. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes there's good to have like shorter playables that perform better. So if you're doing a rewarded video, you have like a 30 second video that, you know, you opted in, you watch. And then there's this end card that pops up that is the, you know, the experience and the interaction. So uh, it depends on the type of games. Some games perform better with actually longer playables. We've seen people play playables for minutes uh, on like end cards. They're just, they're continue just playing and building and, and they're doing this longer interaction. Typically longer ads have shown that they perform less than shorter formats. And you're seeing that with video, right? Video went from 60 seconds to 30 and then like 45, 30, 22, 10, now six, like, it's gone shorter. I think we'll see something similar um, with like mainstream playables. That being said, I do think there's a really great space for kind of longer, more in-depth playables. Um, you find that right fit and the user quality can just be exceptional. Like you're seeing increases in IPM, IPMs by like 2X. Wow. Nice, nice, nice. Here's a question. You've got this extra data because you've seen where people are most interested. How do you track all that data? Um, what do you? How do you get it? Yep. So some platforms, uh, yeah, this is a good question. Some of the platforms allow this, um, this tracking. So if you, if you're, you know, we're in the preferred partnership for Google, Facebook, TikTok. So in there, they give you the API so you can track all this. Um, and then you can actually see what's happening, what's not. Mostly ad networks as well. I mean, if you're a large enough brand, it's kind of something manually can slip on and say, Hey, if you want this data and you're a large enough brand, like if Apple is spending $100,000 a day on your platform and they knock and tell Snapchat, hey, you guys should let us do this tracking. Typically, Snapchat's like, yep, no problem. Let's get you up and running. So it depends on like your buying power. And that's, you know, one thing about being platform agnostic and onboarding these, these major brands. It's really easy to, you know, if we ever need to get tracking and URLs from a, a platform, we just ask our partners. You know, we ask the trillion dollar companies we work with that are our clients and the multi-billion, I mean, we're, we're, 
we're a 60 person company. You know, we've only raised that and, and uh, you know, an angel round from Mark Pincus, Reed Hoffman and Justin Kahn and a few great angels backing us, but we're not this, you know, multi-billion dollar company with like big buying power wherever we go. So we just lean in our clients and say, Hey, if you guys want the data, you should go ping that platform. I know they can do it. It's technically there. I know they're doing it for other people. Let us do it with them and let's let them like everyone in our platform wins. That, that's how we've done it. But yeah, uh, it is, it was a hurdle at first. And if you're a smaller company and you don't have that technology and you're building playables on your own and you're asking, you know, Facebook or app Love or unity, like, Hey, can you guys give me the data back? They're going to say, no, they're probably not going to want to integrate and, and deal with working on those APIs. Uh, but if you're a massive company spending hundreds of millions of dollars a year in marketing, they'll probably adapt and let you do it. Excellent. Well, Alex, I think we'll call it quits here. This has been super interesting. It's been a ton of fun. I want to thank you for your time. I want to thank you for your insights, the slides that your team put together as well. Uh, and uh, hopefully many people have learned a little bit more about playables and how they might work outside of gaming and how they might actually be doable in spite of limited resources. Thank you so much for your time. John, always a pleasure. Thanks again was a real pleasure for everybody else who joined us. Thank you so much. This will go on Growth Masterminds as well, which is a singular podcast. If you're not part of that, hey, let's get part of that and you'll get these as a matter of course. Thanks again. Have yourself a great day. 